Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Chapter 50 of Robbery Under Arms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wang and Xi. Robbery Under Arms by Ralph Baldwood. Chapter 50 The breath was hardly out of him when a horse comes tearing through the scrub onto the little plain, with a man on his back that seemed hurt bad or drunk. He rolled in his saddle so. The head of him was bound up with a white cloth, and what you could see of it was dark-looking, with bloodstains on it. I knew the figure in the seat on a horse, though I couldn't see his face. He didn't seem to have much strength, but he was one of those sort of riders that can't fall off a horse, that is, unless they're dead. Even then, you'd have to pull him down. I believe he'd hang on somehow like a dead possum on a branch. It was Warrigal. They all knew him when he came close up, but none of the troopers raised their pieces or thought of stopping him. If a dead man had rode right into the middle of us, he'd have looked like that. He stopped his horse, and slipped off on his feet somehow. He'd had a dreadful wound, anyone could see. There was blood on the rags that bound his head all up, and beamed round his forehead and over his chin and made him look more and more like a corpse. Not much you could see, only his eyes that were burning bright like two coals of fire. Up to Starlight's body he goes and sits himself down by it. He takes the dead man's head into his lap, looks down at the face, and bursts out into the awfulest sort of crying and lamenting I ever heard of a living man. I've seen the native women mourning for their dead with the blood and tears running down their faces together. I've known them sit for days and nights without stirring from round a corpse, not taking a bite or sup the whole time. I've seen white people that's lost an only child that had, maybe, been all life and spirits an hour before. But in all my life I have never seen no man, nor woman either, show such regular write-down grief as Warrigal did for his master the only human creature he loved in the wide world, and him lying stiff on the ground before him. He lifts up the dead face and wipes the blood from the lips so careful, talks to it in his own language, or leastways his mother's, like a woman over a child. 
Then he sobbed and groaned and shook all over as if the very life was going out of him. At last he lays his head very soft and gentle down the ground and looks round. Sir Ferdinand gives him his handkerchief, and he lays it over the face. Then he turns away from the men that stood round and got up, looking that despairing and wretched that I couldn't help pitying him, though he was the cause of the whole thing as far as we could see. Sudden as a flash of powder, he pulls out a small revolver, a derringer. Starlight gave him once and holds it out to me, but end first. You shoot me, Dick Marston. You shoot me quick, he says. It's all my fault. I killed him. I killed the captain. I want to die and go with him to the never, never country Parson tells us about. Up there. One of the troopers knocked his hand up. Sir Ferdinand gave a nod, and a pair of handcuffs were slipped over his wrists. You told the police the way I went, says I. It's all come out of that. Thought they'd grab you at Willaroon, says he, looking at me quite sorrowful with his dark eyes, like a child. If you hadn't knocked me down that last time, Dick Marston, I'd never have done nothing to you nor Jim. I forgot about the old down, that brought it all back again. I couldn't help it, and when I see Jimmy Wardell, I thought they'd catch you and no one else. Well, you've made a clean sweep of the lot of us, Warrigal," says I. "Poor Jim and all. Don't you ever show yourself to the old man or go back to the Hollow if you get out of this. He's dead now. I'll never hear him speak again," says he, looking over to the figure on the grass. "What's the odds about me?" I didn't hear any more. I must have fainted away again. Things came into my head about being taken in a cart back to Cunnamulla, with Jim lying dead on one side of me and Starlight on the other. I was only half sensible, I expect. Sometimes I thought we were alive, and another time that the three of us were dead and going to be buried. What makes it worse? I've seen that sight so often since the fight on the plain and the end of it all. Just like a picture, it comes back to me over and over again. Sometimes in broad day, as I sit in my cell, in the darkest midnight, in the early dawn, it rises before my eyes: the bare plain and the dead men lying where they fell, Sir Ferdinand on his horse, with the troopers standing round, and the half-caste sitting with Starlight's head in his lap, rocking himself to and fro and crying and moaning like a woman that's lost her child. I can see Jim too. Lying on his face with his hat rolled off and both arms spread out wide, he never moved after. And to think that only the day before he had thought he might see his wife and child again. Poor old Jim! If I shut my eyes, they won't go away. It will be the last sight I shall see in this world before, before I'm. The coroner of the district held an inquest. And the jury found a verdict of justifiable homicide by Sir Ferdinand Morringer and other members of the police force of New South Wales in the case of one James Marston, charged with robbery under arms, and of a man habitually known as Starlight, but of whose real name there was no evidence before the jury. As for the police, it was wilful murder against us. 
Wurgel and I were remanded to Turin Court for further evidence, and as soon as we were patched up a bit by the doctor, for both of us looked like making a die of it for two or three weeks, we were started on horseback with four troopers overland all the way back. We went easy stages. We couldn't ride any way fast. Both of us handcuffed and our horses led. One day, about a fortnight after, as we were crossing a river, Warrigal's horse stopped to drink. It was a swim in the middle of the stream, and the trooper, who was a young chap just from the depot, let go his leading rein for a bit. Warrigal had been as quiet as a lamb all the time, and they hadn't a thought of his playing up. I heard a splash and looked round. His horse's head was turned to the bank, and before the trooper could get out of the river, he was into the river scrub and away as fast as his horse could carry him. Both the troopers went after him, and we waited half an hour, and then went on to the next police station to stop till they came back. Next day, late, they rode in with their horses regularly done and knocked up, leading his horse, but no warrigal. He had got clear away from them in the scrub, jumped off his horse when they were out of sight, taken off his boots and made a straight track for the West Bogan scrub. There was about as much chance of running him down there as a brumby with a day's start or a wallaroo that was seen on a mountainside the week before last. I didn't trouble my head that much to think whether I was glad or sorry. What did it matter? What did anything matter now? The only two men I loved in the world were dead. The two women I loved best left forsaken and disgraced. And I, well, I was on my way to be hanged. I was taken along to Turon and put into the jail, there to await my trial. They didn't give me much of a chance to bolt, and I wouldn't have taken it if they had. I was dead tired of my life, and wouldn't have taken my liberty then and there if they'd given it me. All I wanted was to have the whole thing done and over without any more bother. It all passed like a dream. The court was crowded till there wasn't standing room, everyone wanting to get a look at Dick Marston, the famous bush ranger. The evidence didn't take so very long. I was proved to have been seen with the rest the day the escort was robbed, the time the four troopers were shot. I was suspected 